0: I'm with my family of choice and what's even crazier is I got to be with my whole family including my favorite alcoholic that I grew up with and there's been no drama not because of anybody and not because of me or if there was maybe I just don't notice it because working this program what I used to define as unacceptable behavior has shifted dramatically. So, in a speaker lead, we usually say what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And so, that's at least where I'm going to start. But if there's anybody listening who doesn't know me, one of the important things is you should probably know I call God Waldo, as in, where's Waldo? It's my pet name, and I personalize something that I love and accept but don't understand so I'll tell you a little bit about my story although I entered my first Alateen room almost 40 years ago I really am a newcomer like I I don't consider my serenity date October 7th 1981 that is just when I walked into my first alatine meeting. And the reason that I did is because I grew up with a single mother who is one of the more magical people I've ever met in my life. Just off the top of my head, when I think about my mom in my childhood, I think of things like, I'm not sure the woman owned a bra. She was kind of beaten a hippie in the early 70s there weren't a lot of laws and underwear in her lingerie drawer as far as i know and she did wear a lot of slightly see-through white clothing and she was never embarrassed or showy about it like it was just who she was she didn't wear shoes a lot she would often come pick me up at school and not have shoes on like walk from her car to pick me up and she had a typewriter I remember always we had a typewriter and she was, spent a great deal of time while I was sleeping, at least, typing. I could hear her typing because she was a poet. And she, brilliant woman. Cornell University for grad school. Met my father, my biological father, at Cornell in Ithaca, New York did not choose to get married, did have me because she wanted a baby. She wanted another person with her a lot who needed her. And so if you're an Hunt and listening, you might relate. (laughs) Although she also did does like alcohol. She moved back to Cleveland, Ohio. When I was two years old, and I have heard more sides of that story than enough to not really care what the story is. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I have a biological father, but I didn't really think about him a lot as a child, except that his last name was Blackwood, so I like claimed my American Indian heritage off of him quite a bit. And although my mother never said a bad word about the man, I knew there was something wrong there. And I didn't understand why, but I did use him as an excuse in my earliest memories to blame my mom's proclivity to disappear into alcohol or pills. But because I grew up with her as my only adult, I didn't really have a sense of what normal was. So I didn't back up a second. We also lived in an all black and Jewish neighborhood, and I am on zoom. So you can see me. I am neither. So I already felt abnormal. So what happened in my home I don't know that I really delineated where abnormal started and stopped, or if it stopped. I do remember there were a couple of times where I spent more than a couple of nights at our next door neighbor's house and lived with them like I was one of the sisters. It was a large Jamaican family and I was just one of the family but i remember distinctly coming home from school in second or third grade i went to a hebrew school right behind my house and i walked home and it wasn't abnormal to not have my mom there i was a bit of a latchkey kid she-ra and pop-tarts kind of thing but she didn't come home and that was unusual and what was absolutely never before happened was when I woke up, she wasn't there. And I was very nervous. I went to school, even packed myself a lunch. And at some point mentioned to my teacher that my mom hadn't come home last night. Don't remember a lot except a bunch of grownups and offices and a car ride to a hospital. And my mom had been put into a hospital for alcoholism, I guess, and was on a, I guess probably a, now I know to be like a 5150 hold, a three day hold. So she couldn't make phone calls either. So I couldn't talk to her. Don't know that I ever spoke to my dad, like maybe once a year at Christmas, like I didn't have a number or something. And where they took me was not to see my mom at the hospital, but down into the closed cafeteria in the evening with these. Well, they looked like adults to me, but they were really cool teenagers. And I started for as long as she was in there, probably 28 days. I'm guessing as long as insurance will keep her. I would go to these meetings after school each day till my grandparents could get to that side of town and pick me up and I would spend the night there take me back to the east side and take me to school really early in the morning start repeat some of the meetings were Alateen some were Al-Anon and I was the only kid and as soon as my mom got out almost all of them were AA and I would sit in the back and listen and I felt really special because I was listening to some pretty racy stuff, you know? It's like watching HBO at a very young age. You feel a little dangerous. Plus, I still smoke cigarettes, and I blame the secondhand smoke still. Do a fourth step on that someday. So, I had this super mom when she started in AA that time. Now, I don't know if she was ever in AA before. That's a question I've never even asked. But I do know she's been in since. Since that day, well, I've got some time to talk. I won't rush through it. We became very, my mom got very involved in my life at that point, and there were some magical holidays. (laughs) Like, Christmas morning, waking up, coming down the stairs in a Barbie dream house with everything set up and put out. And I also know that we were on food stamps at the time, mind you. Uh, Yeah, everything was always just this grand performance. My birthdays, I think it was my fourth grade birthday that summer, uh, my birthdays in the summer, and my mom hung Chinese lanterns all around our backyard. And I don't know if they were friends or who people were playing music. There was like a band playing. You know, I thought it was all for my birthday. I'm sure it was just a a party of the neighborhood or whatever. But there was a birthday cake involved. And I felt like the center of attention. And I really liked it. I don't know when she stopped going to meetings that time. But i know that by the time i was ready to go into eighth grade she had been in the hospital more than one more time and i decided around sixth seventh eighth grade i decided i wanted the attention now and that is when my disease came raging i believe it was seventh grade fall that I cut myself for the first time, like seriously enough where it was scary. And I ended up in the hospital. I came to realize that when my life got critical enough, my mom was forced. To sober up and be there for me. And I used it a lot. It is hard not having... I've always said I didn't have a magnetic north growing up. Like, my compass didn't naturally know what was okay. Normal, it, does, it, it wasn't even about normal. It was just like, what is good? What is right? I remember at a very early age, the phone would ring, I'd answer it, and my mom would be sitting there and she'd go, I'm not here. I'm not here. I was like primo liar before I hit grade school. I was witness to a lot of really good creative dishonesties of my mother's. And my, I admire her. Like, I looked up, I still look up to her. And I also look a lot like her, sound a lot like her, speak and think a lot like she did, I guess. So everyone, you know, it was the whole, is this your sister kind of thing? And I people would even say like, you are so much alike, it's eerie. I remember my father, my biological father, finally told me as an adult that it used to freak him out when I'd visit because I would do this thing with my sleeves where I fold my sleeves over and hold them in my hand or something and it's exactly what my mom used to do. I identified with her emotionally, mentally, psychologically, in every possible way. And I also thought it was inevitable that I would be like her. Which had its pros and cons, still does. So eighth grade began boarding school for me because after cutting myself the second time, ending up in the hospital for cutting myself the second time, a doctor apparently told my grandparents that I was going to be a goner. Like, this did not bode well. And my mother's hospitalizations and my hospitalizations next to each other with no other people in our lives, really, did not look good for an outcome to this man. And my grandparents made the decision at that point to put me into a boarding school. I went to a Catholic boarding school, so I went from a Hebrew school to a Catholic boarding school. I was what they call a five-day-a-week boarder. And I, it, I, I think it was about that time that I started getting God issues, because I had already been to Allegheny. I thought I had come to believe in a God, but I thought God was, like, I thought there was only one God. I thought it had to be, like, the Jesus God that people do at church, or, like, the God that you put blood on the doorframe for so that he passes over at Passover. And neither of them were mine. Like, they, I didn't go to church, and I didn't go to temple, I just went to a Hebrew school. So when I got to a Catholic school, and even in the cafeteria, there's a crucifix on the wall, really weirded me out. And it wasn't a place, I wasn't at a place where I could ask questions genuinely. I still had such, I was still building such big armor, that when I had curiosities and asked things, I said things like, Yeah, but don't you get horny when I was told that fathers or brothers or whatever give up intimate relations? And I really was curious. I was, I just wanted to know. I wasn't trying to be rude, but I was the kind of kid who also shaved my head into a mohawk. I did things to be seen, to be noticed. And... The problem is the kind of people who notice and stick around aren't really the healthiest people. So I pushed limits as much as I possibly could. That was not the right school for me, so I went to a Quaker school for ninth grade in Maine. And since seventh grade, since before I went to Gilmore, I ha- have not lived near my mother except at holidays when I would come home from boarding school or come home from college. I lived in the same town as her and didn't see her that much as uh, you know my early twenties. And as soon as I could no longer, or no one else would pay for me to go to school any longer, I got in a plane I flew I was headed to Papua New Guinea and got as far away from Cleveland, Ohio, as I could. I landed in Los Angeles, California, got stuck here for six weeks and fell in love. I felt like I was on vacation. I had been told my whole life I was a New York girl and uh, tried New York for a year and was very depressed but in at Los Angeles, the sun was shining. people were out. Honestly, it was fake. New York was a little real for me. I liked people saying, yeah, let's do lunch, with zero intention because it meant I didn't have to follow through either. But we felt good about each other. Uh, and I also liked kind of everybody was searching for something, so I felt like I fit in. Because it also felt like not a lot of people had found it, that were here. So I stayed. And I found decent detachment from amputation. I just didn't have to see my mom very often. So I filled that chaos space with relationships. One after the other after the other. And I'm sure you've all been in them. I don't even need to bore you with the details. If they all fell into three basic categories. And one of my favorites was the ones that I didn't like at first, but if they changed this and this, I could handle it. And then they would change, and then I would break up with them and break their hearts, because I didn't feel like they had a backbone, because they had done exactly what I had asked them to. Or the people who wouldn't change, and then I would try and try and try until they couldn't stand me and broke my heart and I'd fall apart. Or the people that we were like two pieces of bread as mushed together as possible so there was no space between that imploded. I think once in my life, out of many serial relationships, I had what I would consider a somewhat healthy ending. But my life felt okay. At least not affected by, quote, alcohol enough to have to work a program. When shit went down as it always does with an alcoholic and has done 99 times now, I would go find a meeting in Los Angeles. There are tons mark it off in my little book that I went to it. Sometimes take a note that I had a ponytail or that my tattoo showed so that if I went back there too soon, they wouldn't recognize me because I'd look a little different. I was careful. And I would go to dump. I would just regale a with these horror stories of being a child of an alcoholic. So that somebody would give me attention and rescue me, I think. And then I would leave as fast as I could. Because God forbid I was asked to take literature. Or I wouldn't need to be asked to take. All they'd need to say is we need somebody to take literature. And I had already been trained as a kid that in meetings you'd just say yes. It doesn't matter what it was. Erica wasn't kidding. When she said would you, I was like yes. But what do I need to do? When is it? I know to get better, you sit up front, you take notes and you take commitments and you say, yes. And I didn't want to have to. I didn't want to do step 12. I didn't think I had anything to give or get. And the black cloud was still over my head and I had worked the steps as a kid. So why? It was just a place to go that I didn't have to pay a therapist and I could dump. And people actually knew what I was talking about. I don't know what, oh yes, I do know what my second bottom is. I am what Mary Pearl calls a retread, because I came back into this program with zero traction. That time, I guess it was about three and a half years ago now, my mom fell, and this time she shattered her upper bone and had a fixator this external fixator with like seven pins going into her arm the lady's a drunk she's her brain is pretty pickled she could not take care of it she was only whatever 70 some years old but she couldn't clean it and take care of it and i skipped over the part where at my wedding i i married at my wedding reception in cleveland we flew to cleveland to have a big wedding reception with my whole family and all my Cleveland people, which is a perfect time to have an intervention for your mom because your whole family's there. So I planned a fucking intervention for my wedding reception. And at that wedding, at that intervention, wedding reception, whatever it was, her husband told her that if she couldn't do it this time that he had to be done and that he was gonna move down to Florida and that was 16 years ago, and God knows how many hospital visits. She's still technically married, and he does still live in Florida. I think the reason that is important is because she and I have of Sleeper Cushioned rock bottoms. Like, our rock bottoms... Are protected. Whether it's white privilege, whether it's having grandparents who had money, creativity, intelligence, really talented manipulation, good fucking liars. We could make shit happen, and we I still do. So all of those tools that I learned, both in program and as an alcoholic kid, made for a dangerous 20 something living in Los (laughs) Angeles, no less. And so when she fell this time, and I came home to take care of her because there was no one else. I stayed there for a month and she couldn't get alcohol. She had lost her license, five DUIs and house arrest, the whole kit and caboodle. Actually, that was the longest she was ever sober. 18 months she was on house arrest and had two ankle bracelets, one to keep her at home and one that, like, measured alcohol content in her bloodstream. And she tested it. It works well. But I was with her for like almost an entire month and we had a great time. We binge watch TV. I got enough work done in a few hours every day that I could hang out with her and watch TV and we ate great meals and I wasn't having to raise two kids back home with my husband. Like it was like a it was like a, a spa in some ways. I, I wiped my kids butts anyway. So taking care of her at least she said thank you. My daughter does roller derby, so I flew back to Los Angeles for a special roller derby event, and I wasn't here 48 hours. I got on a plane, and I I made sure I wasn't here 48 hours, because if it was more than 48 hours, she might be able to get her hands on alcohol. And she was sober for a month, and we were having a great time, and I was on my way back. And I got there at like 6.30 in the morning off the red eye, and I walked in, and she tried real hard to stand up and couldn't and she was so drunk and my heart broke so deeply that I couldn't breathe and it hit me suddenly I knew she was having a great time with me I knew she was waiting for me to get back there's no way my mom made the decision to get drunk and risk what just happened This wasn't a decision. This legit is a disease, like Alzheimer's is a disease. And I need help for it. So, before I walked out of that house, I had already told myself I was coming back into program. And I was just going to take it one day at a time, but for six weeks. (laughs) At least six meetings is what I told myself. I already knew the meeting I'd go to. It happens to be the closest one to my house and my favorite meeting that I ever dropped in on over the 20 years or whatever that I dabbled. And I got on a plane and I flew back. I wasn't there for more than a few hours and I put my life into this. I made this my life. And things began to change and are still daily changing but I don't know that my true surrender date is until about two and a half years ago. I would say some point during my 90 and 90 I came into online rooms and I was able to not see people when I shared and not get any feedback and be fully myself and test the boundaries and really just share fully and be me and was still liked. So then I started opening up at my home meeting a little bit more and I was asked to become the secretary and I was like, my rule, yes. And from there, things have just, I used to complain that I had no idea. I was unwanted, unloved and alone. As we say, I am so wanted, so loved, and so not alone now, that it makes me almost scared because it's hard. It's hard to love me for exactly where I'm at when I'm there without wanting to be more or regret what something that I'm not. And I still compare myself to people constantly, but now I notice, and now I know I can do it, do something about it that's as simple as letting go. And I know this is an Al-Anon meeting. There were AA, people speaking today and I know usually in an Al-Anon meeting we do not share anything except conference-approved literature. But when I started in Alateen there wasn't a whole lot of that. So I'm actually going to take this opportunity to share a couple of things that really impact me that I have been revisiting as I've been reading these books, doing a book study with other Al-Anon members. So, I want to tell you something quick about steps two, three, four, and 10. For step two, in Alcoholics Anonymous 12 and 12, there are many things underlined, but the one with the most colors and the most lines says The minute I stopped arguing, I could begin to see and feel. And for me, my anger and my arguing, my Jade game is strong. I can justify and rationalize anything. I learned how to five finger discount from my mother when I was in fourth grade and did it for good reasons. It has only been two years since I have consciously not allowed myself to take the ramekin of ketchup from Denny's after my home group meetings. When I would take French fries home because I deserve it, I paid for the French fries. Why is mine? And I would do it with my home group members sitting around me with no problems. Because I would argue in my head why it was okay. So the minute I stopped arguing, I could begin to see But I also began to feel. And it hurt. I always say it was like a crab whose shell starts cracking open because they get too big. And that splitting of my shell was hard and painful. But for the first time in my life, I didn't run away from it. I allowed myself to feel it and go through it knowing that i had people not just every tuesday in person sitting around this table that were my island of misfit toys that i longed for of every color shape size gender expression being and we are family like these are my brothers and my sisters and my aunts and my tonight i got to go and be with one of my jedis who's an older man who lives alone and i got to bring him dinner and be of service to have a man in my life that i love in an unconditional way that i want to and get to serve that is not something i ever imagined even i wanted a mommy i wanted brothers and sisters i never even considered parental male figure in my life. Never even considered it. So it became safe enough to feel. And I feel a lot now. But it was step three. Same book, page 36 say, and the facts seem to be these. The more we become willing To depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. Again, the more I can depend on a higher power, the more independent I am. I want that feeling. I want to not feel like I need someone else to fill these gaps in me. And in order to do that, the only option I had was to get on my knees and listen to people who had what I wanted. And until I was willing to step into a place of such discomfort, the only way I could do it was to put my tongue in my cheek and call him Waldo because I wanted to know where the fuck Waldo was. And I did it for 10 days and I prayed and I said every time I read the steps I read Waldo instead of God and something started clicking it was like something years just started we're waiting I really feel like God has been waiting for McCall for 45 years wanting to give me these gifts, and I wouldn't take them. And I could justify and argue why. I mean, I can think of reasons now. And what's insane is that he, she, it, they kept them, and are giving it to me now, whether I feel worthy or not, whether I've done well or not, When I look and open my eyes, there is proof positive that something a hell of a lot greater and amazing exists. Which took me to step four? Same book, page 45. If temperamentally we're on the depressive side, We're apt to be swamped with guilt and self-loathing. We wallow in this messy bog, often getting a misshapen and painful pleasure out of it. As we morbidly pursue this melancholy activity, we may come to such a point of despair that nothing but oblivion looks possible as a solution. To be able to go to the point where I can look at myself and my actions, even just my thoughts that I didn't behave on, want to, where I do feel a lot of guilt about it, but don't feel shame, where I can look and take an inventory of McCall 1.0, is how I say it, by McCall 2.0 and know that is not who I am now and that I have nothing to feel ashamed of but to share a pride with a power greater than myself, which is the only way I could do that. I can't. I've tried. I've done it and not been able to do it. And I can do anything. There is not a lot I can't find some way to do, especially if I can lie and manipulate. And I couldn't... I tried with therapy, I tried with medications, I tried with everything. But until I had something greater than myself that I could share with and share every compliment, every criticism, I just don't take it so personally and yet I don't defend it or deflect it or deny it. I allow it to be also taken personally. It is a program of contradictions and it's ridiculous. And what it has allowed me to do is have conversations with not just people, but with the person who I have had the most anger and love for ever. The one person, it's the only person my entire life I've known. I love my husband and I love my kids but really I've only known them for about 15-20 years i my mom for 47 and even though I left at a pretty young age and had that detachment and distance I was more obsessed with her than I ever was with myself or anyone else so in June I moved her in Because the city of Cleveland was going to, had filed for guardianship, was going to lock her up, take the money that her husband does give her, and throw away the keys and put her in a place where she couldn't leave. And I don't think that a disease deserves punishment. Not anymore. And frankly, if it does, thanks to a rigorous and honest fourth step, I've given it. Like, any punishment that this disease deserves, and more, I give. I mean, I've probably given some in the last 24 hours, if I'm really honest. I'll let you know after my 10th step tonight. Speaking of 10th steps, the last part I really wanted to share from this book was where I'm at now. And this is the stick it note on my mirror. On page 93 in step 10, it says, courtesy, kindness, justice, and love are the key notes by which we may come into harmony with practically anybody. And the reason that sentence is so important to me is because I believe that this is a program of fine-tuning. I know we say that we give our lives and our wills over to care of God as we understand them. I know that we ask God to remove all our defects. But for me, it's not something I can do once and stay okay. Obviously, it never was. Although I tried. For me, as soon as my strings get in tune and I use them to be of service... They start going out of tune. The more you play your guitar, the quicker it goes out of tune. So again, with the the crazy contradiction, I want to play, but I want to stay in tune. And the only way I can do that, because I don't have perfect pitch, can't tune to me. And I love a lot of you. And a lot of you help me get in tune. But I can't tune to you. I need that outside tuning fork. I need that constant E and it exists. I mean, whether you think of Jesus or Buddha or jaw or vibrations and manifestation, something out there in the universe has a rhythm. And my whole life I've tried real hard to walk to the beat of a different drummer thinking it was something I had to do, or was a part of who I am and couldn't be changed, even if I wanted it to. Taking the space and treating people and myself, most importantly, with kindness, courtesy, justice, it allows a healing between me and another person, between me and all people, between me and myself, between me and a higher power, and what I give, I get. I mean, as much as if I walk up to somebody and give them a hug, oh, which I miss. When I do, yeah, I'm looking at you because there's a boy on here who gives the best fucking hugs. So does his sponsor. I can give a hug and be so present that I actually receive it, finally. Which allows me to give back. And for the first time in my life, I know that as imperfect and fucked up as I am and how far I have to go still, I had purpose. There's a reason that everything in my life happened. Because I'm giving it one. Not because of coincidence or just happenstance, because I choose to show up, I choose to say yes. That when I think it's too much and I can't handle it anymore, I only have to remember I don't have to handle it. God doesn't give me more than, God does give me more than I can handle, but not more than Waldo can. So if I remember that and I share the burden, I share the pride, I share the energy, I share the tears and I come honestly here now Keep my head above my feet and act with courtesy, kindness, and justice. That's it. That's all I have to do. And I get to be content. And it doesn't make any sense. But I'm so sick of looking any gift horses in the mouth. Which is why I pray surprise me. And I sure was to be asked to lead tonight. And it was such a huge honor. And thank you, because you guys are a part of me. I am not alone. And I'm really, really thankful. And that's me. Radio. Do it for me every time I call. I'm telling you. So I got chills going down and down my spine right now, I'm telling you, you are, you helped me my recovery process so much, and I appreciate you so, so much, man, I really, really do, and I love you, and thank you for being who you are, man, thank you for telling me, you get off this shit pot.